This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Welcome to NASCAR America from our NBC Charlotte studios. Marty Snyder joined by the mayor, Jeff Burton, Daytona 500 winning crew chief Steve Letarte, and Nate Ryan, who literally walked in like a minute before we went on the air and said, oh, we're going to have some breaking news, guys. And it came out just as we've gone on the air. Some breaking news with Hendrick Motorsports. Chad Canals, the crew chief for Jimmy Johnson, will be moving over to the 24 car with William Byron and Kevin Menring, current crew chief for Elliott Sadler in the Xfinity Series, moving over to be Jimmy Johnson's crew chief. All of this starting in 2019, not this year. So, Nate, is this a move that surprises you from Hendrick Motorsports? Uh, I don't think it's entirely surprising, Marty. There have been a lot of talk the last few years about what the future held for Jimmy Johnson, Chad Canales. A lot of questions, obviously, about Jimmy Johnson's future, but also how long would Chad Canales stay as a crew chief. Hendrick made a similar move last year when Casey Kane um, they made a switch on his crew chief, and Keith Rodden was subbed out for Darian Grubb. So they've made changes like this before the end of the year. And I think essentially now they announce the move. They don't make the change. They give Jimmy Johnson and Chad Knauss a chance to finish out 17 seasons together where I think they'll be regarded maybe as the greatest crew chief driver com combination of all time. That's what surprises me, 17 years together. Well, I don't think the announcement surprises anyone who's been around them, though. It has definitely been more difficult over the last few years. I mean, listen, 17 years, it's the longest tenure of anyone for a reason, because this relationship is very hard to keep connected. They've mm -hmm. done a nice job of it. And, you know, I think it's interesting. The announcement came now, yet it's not going to take effect until next year, really for two reasons. One, the most simple reason is Elliot Sadler, who currently has the crew chief of Kevin Mendering, is still in the Xfinity Series playoffs. I think it's fair to him to try to continue to race for a championship. But the other one, perhaps the one I was overlooking until you just mentioned it, is this gives Chad Knauss and Jimmy Johnson, who have never gone winless, seven weeks to almost, I don't want to say bury the hatchet because I don't think there's a problem, but it's, it's to rekindle the fire, right? If there's any reason, I was part of one of these announcements, right? I had a new team. You want to go out and perform with your new driver. And then I was part of the year knowing it was my last year, and it happened to be my best because we had so much to prove. So, Jeff, I really think this is a great way the disappointment, the 48s out of the playoffs, now they have a chance to prove that they can go win every year they were together. And when I look at it, I look at how is Hendrick moving forward. So think about what just happened here. You have a young driver in William Byron, and now you've matched him with a seven-time winning crew chief, a guy that knows how to win championships, been around a driver that knows how to win championships. That is a huge gain in regard for William and how he prepares for the race, how he approaches the race. What does he, how does he deal with issues when things are going wrong? And then I look at who they paired with Jimmy Johnson. Well, here's a guy that they've had a lot of faith in, been over at Junior Motorsports being a crew chief. They consider him maybe the one of their future championship-winning crew chiefs. They put him with a seven-time winning driver. So I think from a pairing standpoint and moving forward standpoint, that's, some, that's pretty smart moves for both race teams to match those guys up because now you're taking young people, that, that are going to get a shot, and you're putting it with people that have been there, done that. I think that's a really smart move. Is, the, is in your mind, Steve, the genesis of this that the Johnson-Canals relationship had run its course, 
Or is the genesis of this really, let's get William Byron going as one of our young stars? Yes. <laughs> I think that's the advantage. People say, what's the advantage of a four-car organization? Here you go. I do think that Jimmy and Chad, um, if there was no other options, would they have finished their years together? Probably. Uh, would they have been the best they could have been? I don't know. Could they have continued to work on this relationship? It's been bumpy at times, but they seem to always bounce back. Who's to say they couldn't have done it again? But I think it becomes more obvious when you have another young star, and that's what William Byron is. Why we could argue if he's in cup too early, is he too young? Those are different conversations. The simple fact is this is just more one double down by Rick Hendrick, right? He moved him into the 24 and said, you're my guy. Let him learn. And now he's doubling down saying, not only you're my guy, but I'm going to give you my most celebrated guy ever. Here you go. Go win. And I think it's also a chance for the number 48 to start a fresh chapter. We heard Rick Hendrick say at Dover after Chase Elliott's win that they're going to be announcing a new sponsor for that team probably within the next 30 days. Now they know they're going to have a new crew chief for Jimmy Johnson as well to start the 2019 season. So a fresh look. And, of course, that's not to discount what Canales and Johnson did together. I mean, 83 wins, seven championships, 15 straight playoff appearances. Again, they're going to go down in history as probably two of the best ever. That's the biggest, that's the most difficult part of this move. If you're Rick Hendrick, you're sitting there doing, mm. you know. <laughs> <laughs> this so, is a big deal. Right. Yeah. So I, I've always believed that the hardest thing in motorsports is to know when to do something different when you're winning how do you stop doing that because you're winning but if you don't and find if you don't find a better way you're going to find yourself not winning so I think it's finally got to the point where Rick Hendrick has said okay we tried to make this work we tried to hang on and it just hasn't yielded the results so at some point we got to move on and it, it, it I, I think it's time I mean I'm not I just you have to get results when you're a seven-time champion crew chief and driver Ultimately, you have to get results. And and they just plain and simple haven't been getting the results. And it hadn't been for a year. Yeah, it's yeah. been for, in my eyes, you know, almost two years where they haven't gotten the results that you would expect them to get. Listen, Jeff Gordon and I went winless in 2010. And, and I had confidence that I had the ability to crew chief. And we all know that Jeff Gordon is a Hall of Fame race car driver. So it just took a change. I got Dale Hart Jr. Alan Gustafson went over to Jeff Gordon. Jeff went on to great things to win many more races to qualified for the playoffs to have a chance at championships. Dale and I found success winning a Daytona 500. So change and Rick Hendricks seem to go hand in hand, and he seems to always make the right decisions. And let's make no mistake, that guy, Kevin Mendering, that I keep talking about, he was my engineer from 2008 until I left with Dale Jr. in 2014. He is extremely talented. I hold him as probably one of the next great bright minds in the NASCAR garage. Jeff and I have this argument every year of how you can judge because trucks and Xfinity are so no different than Cup. Well, I had him at the Cup level while he was an engineer. His knowledge and his ability to tune a race car, in my mind, is as good as they come. Reminds me a lot of Chad. I think that's Chad's real success. Jimmy Johnson, I don't think, needs Chad's leadership anymore, but he still needs Chad's car ability. I think he's getting that with Kevin Mendering. So one other thing, too, that I think is really important is, and you've been through this, so when you're in the midst of a change, okay, Something's being changed because something's not working. And it reignites you. It gives you fire. It, and it's not out of it. Chad Canales is not looking to Jimmy Johnson saying, I'm going to show you. Yeah, right. But some of that's natural, right? Some of that is natural. They, they've had great success together. But some of it is perfectly natural to say, hey, you know what? I am going to show you. You know, I am going to show the fans. I'm going to show my spawn. I'm going to show everybody that I can do this. And that comes from Jimmy Johnson. That comes from William Byron. That comes from everybody involved in this situation. This gives them a new start and gives them a reason. William Byron right now, he's got to be saying, 
<laughs> no, I've, got, I've got to deliver yeah, right now. yeah right and right. so that's the kind of pressure you that's the kind of pressure as a driver you want you want that you want to have the best guy you want to have I mean that's what you want so Rick Hendrick in making this decision I think has put everybody in a position to say I like this I feel really good about this and it's I think it'll fire everybody up and make everybody work harder try harder put a little more effort into it and I think they'll get results and I'll bet money on Saturday in Talladega, that Jimmy Johnson and Chad Knauss will have nothing but great things to say about one another, and they're both going to say it was time, and it was time for no one specific reason. Um, they have fought into every battle arm-in-arm. Arm. They have fought out of every championship arm-in-arm. Arm. They had to have a milk and cookies meeting, <laughs> meeting years ago with Rick Hendrick. They came out of that arm-in-arm. Arm. I don't see why, even in separation, they'll still be great friends, still work at the same company, still work, perhaps work better together with a little separation, sometimes just a little space. We spent all last week talking about the fire that Jimmy Johnson still has. We saw it at the end of the Robo race, right? He was going for the win. But does the 48 need a spark? Does the 48 team and Jimmy Johnson need this spark? I think Jimmy and Chad need a spark. I think both. Uh, I think that when you are an organization, a race team that goes to winning championships and you are winless, they both need something fresh. And this is a great organization, uh, organizational move, Nate, that I think gives them both of that. And I think together they have a spark for the last seven races. Right. I would be worried right. if I had to race the 48 heading into, say, Martinsville, a place they're so dominant, because I think Jimmy's going to have very little patience to think that he could get Chad another grandfather yeah, I think that's a good point, Stephen. I think you're right, Marty. I think they do need a spark. The reason that the questions were being asked about, you know, how long can Knauss and Johnson last together is because the bickering on the team radio has increased the last few years. And that's partially, I think, a function of how long they've been together. I think they argue about the car the way you hear an old married couple argue about things for years and years. They've just, they've been in the same room and in the same hauler for so long. But I think it's also that you can only try things so many times with the same person and expect different results. And I think that this is what they're going to need. And I think we'll hear a little bit less of probably that bickering over the last six races. But I also think you're right, Steve. I don't think like there will be any animosity uh, between these two at all because they've learned throughout the years they're better with each other than apart. I don't think we will. I don't think we'll hear less bickering because <laughs> <laughs> because they're both highly driven people. Yeah, They are both guys that are going to do whatever it takes to be successful. And it bothers them that they're not winning. Yes. So, so if Jimmy Johnson goes to Martinsville and he's going to get lapped, he's not going to say... Chad, we're having a good time today. This right. is fun. Right, and neither is Chad because that's not that sucks. Running bad sucks. There's no other way to say it. It's awful. And when you're a seven-time champion, you're running bad. Seventh ain't good enough. If you've never won a championship and you have ten top fives, well, seventh feels pretty good. Yeah. But for those guys, seventh isn't good enough. And that's the expectation they have. So I hear what you're saying, Nate, about, you know, maybe the maybe it gets pulled down just a little bit. Just a little. But I don't think that they're <laughs> fire. The reason they yell at each other is because they're fire. I mean, that's the kind of people they are. And I'll go back to what Jimmy told me at Michigan in August, and he said, it doesn't bother me the calendar year that we haven't won. It bothers me if we haven't won for a season. So, Steve, you mentioned these final seven races. These are critical to Chad Knauss and Jimmy Johnson because he said, if I haven't won in 2018 for the season, then it will start bothering me. Yeah, they've never done it. I mean, they've won since their rookie year together and won handily. I mean, 83 wins over 17 years. You have to win quite a bit to amass those numbers. And really, when you just look at their – it's not just the races they win. It's the form and fashion in which they did it. They were 
the fastest car in every practice. It was never a question whether they were going to make the last round of qualifying. They were a dominant figure. And Jimmy Johnson still is. When you ask those other chase drivers before the playoffs started, and you say, hey, what do you think about the 48? Clint Boyer said the best. He goes, can we not wake him up? Can we just let him be where he <laughs> let is? Him slumber. You know, I have raced against him. He's the Tiger Woods of golf, right? These young guys think they want to play against him. They don't. Let him have an off year. <laughs> trust me. But I, and I think that is Jimmy Johnson. And I think um, I think this next seven is going to be interesting to watch. And it's I think they fun. have awoken somewhat, uh, much like the Hendrick MO. That when the playoffs start, the Hendrick cars have been faster in recent years, uh, aside from last year. And this year, I felt like Vegas, he had a top five car until he had that tire problem late in the race. The Roval, I mean, you talked about that, Jeff. He went for that win because I think it was as much about validating where that team is. And, hey, we're back. We can still win on this level. So I, I think, I think too, I think this is – you know, every year we talk about teams that don't make the playoffs or don't move into the next round. There, that feels awful when it happens, but it also positions you to start making changes. Yeah. It also puts you in a position to say, okay, now we can work on next year, and that's what this is. If Jimmy Johnson is in the round and racing right now for yeah, a championship, right. they're not making this. They're not making this call. Right. And if you don't make the call publicly, you can't work behind the scenes privately because if, eventually it's going to be public. Right. So now going ahead and making the announcement. Now they can go. They can be hiring people. They can begin their teams organized. They want all those things can happen. Unless this is made public, they can't do it because you know how this sport is and how this town is. I mean, if you just talk to one guy, hey, right. you want to come work? And by the way, I'm a crew chief for Jimmy Johnson. <laughs> right. He goes home and says, hey, guess what? And then next thing you know, everybody knows. Everybody so knows. not being in the playoffs has allowed Hendrick Motorsports, with the exception of Chase Elliott, obviously, to move forward into next year. And ultimately, that I think that helps them get ready. And only Rick Hendrick? To be a puppeteer that makes a delayed divorce look like a great idea. <laughs> I mean, it takes quite the guy to be it's like, hey, point. we're going to split y'all up, but not for a couple months, but it's going to be great. We're all sitting here talking about how it's a great idea, right? <laughs> right. All talking about it. Well, well, what, 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 well, hold on. Now, Rick does know that if in May it's not working, we'll be talking about that. Yeah, too. Right, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Another divorce, right? Yeah. So, hey, it's Wednesday. You guys know who's missing. Dale. Dale Jr. Yeah, but he's got a good reason. It's his birthday today, celebrating his 44th birthday. His wife, Amy, posted this on social media earlier today. Look at them having fun. Look at Isla enjoying her daddy. How about his favorite team, the Washington Redskins, also sending him a birthday wish to the two-time Daytona 500 champ. And so we want to know from you fans in Junior Nation, if you could send a birthday gift to Dale Jr., what would it be? Send us your ideas by using the hashtag NASCAR America. We'll reveal those later in the show today. And also some more news in the show today, too. Matt Benedetto with a big announcement today, but plenty more to come on NASCAR America. We'll preview this Sunday's playoff race at Talladega. This track has a long history of being NASCAR's theater of the unexpected. One of the favorites for this weekend is three-time Talladega winner Joey Logano. Jeff Burton talked to this crew chief. Todd Gordon earlier today. That's coming up on NASCAR America. And we'll unveil the nominees for this year's Comcast Community Champion Award. That announcement is next. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. We know what the stage is here. We know what it's all about. Come on, boys. Let's do this. We're set to go. The Stanley Cup final is underway. In Washington, they'll be calling this the save. I've never seen a save like that before. <laughs> it's a with the first goal of the game. 
So close and miss it was uh, stuff. The Washington Capitals are the Stanley Cup champions. And so ends the least likely expansion season in hockey history. How can I describe it? Probably one of the best uh, moments in my life. It's uh, something special. It's uh, incredible. Ah, the rematch tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern on NBCSN. Stevie's excited for this one. Are we sure that Ovechkin is done partying <laughs> with the Stanley Cup? Because I, I, I follow I him. I'm not he sure he's going to make it tonight. I hope he is. He's got to play some hockey tonight. I hope my man's ready to go play I some don't hockey think tonight. To watch, though. <laughs> I cannot wait for that rematch tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern on NBCSN. Hey, for the fourth consecutive year, Comcast is highlighting members of the NASCAR family who exemplify a charitable spirit with the Comcast Community Champion Award. And today, we're proud to announce the 2018 nominees for that award. Two Cup Series drivers involved, Joey Logano and Ryan Newman, are on the list. And Steve Page, president and general manager of Sonoma Raceway. Comcast makes a $60,000 donation to the award winner and $30,000 in donations to the deserving finalists. The award will be handed out during November 15th championship weekend in Miami. Over the next three weeks here on NASCAR America, we'll showcase the individual finalists and we start tonight with Ryan Newman and his Rescue Ranch. With more, here's Carolyn Mano. I married a crazy lady. Her name's Chrissy. She woke me up in the middle of the night, literally. She had this binder of ideas. And long story short, you know, this building is the start of it. I think the best way to change mentality over time is to start with children. So we started an education facility. We bring in field trips, we have birthday parties, we do critter camp in the summer where each camp has a different theme week. It helps facilitate responsible pet ownership over time and is making them understand what it's like to be responsible for an animal. And at the same time, they're learning compassion and empathy for that animal which they can carry on through the rest of their life. The Rescue Ranch was founded in 2012 on 87 acres of land in Statesville, North Carolina. The vision comes from Chrissy Newman, but everywhere you look on the ranch, you'll find Ryan. Nine times out of ten, he'll be on a tractor or out feeding deer. He came by, he was repairing fences for me. He's out cutting hay. He was working on a door today. He is the glue for this place. He's such a wonderful guy because he's always going. He's just, he, he, he has one gear and that's fast and moving. Ryan Newman, he will take the checkered flag at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and win the Brickyard 400. And I love that. I love that about him. And so he's just always here for us. You can always count on him. All of our goats came from a hoarding situation. Since opening its doors, the ranch has grown to 177 acres with 80 animals on site, and they have had more than 16,000 students attend their education programs. So these guys are part Tennessee painters. I have learned a lot just about animals, their behaviors, and what they eat and stuff. We have four birds, a lot of snakes, different kinds of lizards like bearded dragons. They're the fish out front. And then there are the outside animals, which are goats, chickens, horses, pigs, cows. There's a wide variety of animals. And a turkey. And a turkey. And this is an opportunity for animal lovers like Danica to, to give back in a special way that makes both her feel good and the animals that she works with feel good. And it inspires her to want to do something with her future. It's not just all about animals. It's a place for community where people can come, be outside, 
get an education at the same time, have a sense of family. The Newmans have continued to grow the ranch, adding nature trails and a memorial garden. In 2017, kids of all abilities found a place to play with the opening of the Earnhardt Family Playground. This whole project was really a good collaboration of people in our community and people in the NASCAR community. Cut that ribbon. It's an impressive undertaking. You know, they got a grand vision of what they want that place to become, and to witness it was really emotional, and that made it even more special for me. We ended up with a 10,000 square foot, all accessible playground, and all of the components you can either play together or you can get wheelchairs up to, so everybody can have fun at the same time. We know how important it is, number one, to be a kid, and number two, to be able to play, to be able to tie all those things together here at the Rescue Ranch is pretty special. The Newmans continue to impact their community near and far. When Hurricane Florence brought devastation to North Carolina, Rescue Ranch didn't hesitate to jump in and assist with rescue efforts. Back on the ranch, their focus is already on the future, with plans for expanding the playground, adding an adoption center, and starting a 24-hour vet clinic with opportunities for students to further their studies. It's fun and it's rewarding, um, but it's a lot of work too, and I guess they say everything that is a lot of work usually is rewarding. Well, Rescue Ranch started in uh, 2004, and it's amazing what this really has brought to this community. I mean, you guys see it all the time, but I, I, I love what Chrissy Newman did after the, the hurricane as well. And, and so they do it every day there. And you see it really started in 2004, founded officially in 2012. But I, I love what she did after the hurricane because it just, they helped so many people. It's so hard to, to have something you care about and, and build, you know, have other people build passion for it. And what I love about what they do is they get in there and they get their hands dirty. They're in there trying to raise money. They're doing it all. Mm -hmm. and, and Chrissy has done, and Ryan both have done just an amazing job of not only helping particular animals, but bringing awareness to, right. you know, treating animals correctly and taking care of them. And then when they have problems going and trying to help them, they've, they've done a great job. Yeah, Isn't that so just good. the NASCAR community, though? Well, That's I mean, how everybody is. Yeah, and what, what Ryan and Chrissy have done, and done it in such a manner, such a professional manner, that it's given a platform for other drivers and other foundations to provide for their own rescue ranch. The playground, there's other areas. You saw Truex there. So while most drivers have a foundation, it's amazing how you mentioned it's tied to them and what's important to them, but all of the foundations do so well together. And I think that's really the key, right? They're not pulling apart. They're actually coming together, doing some great stuff. Very cool stuff. For more on all of the Comcast Community Champion nominees, Ryan Newman, Joey Logano, and Steve Page, go to NBCSports.com slash NASCAR. Of course, our thoughts right now, certainly with everyone in the Florida Panhandle area, as many of you know, Hurricane Michael made landfall earlier this afternoon with winds around 150 miles an hour. To help those affected, visit RedCross.org or text Michael to 90999 to donate $10 to the American Red Cross Hurricane Michael Relief. Atlanta Motor Speedway, you see them opening their doors to the folks who might be impacted by Michael opening their campgrounds. And also, Daytona International Speedway has really become a staging area for utility vehicles. With about 175,000 residents already without power, and that number obviously is going to expect it to grow as well as it makes uh, inland movement with Hurricane Michael. So we're certainly thinking about all of those folks and praying for them as well. Well, coming up, a little more NASCAR news. My, uh, Matt DiBenedetto has a new ride for the 2019 season. We'll fill you in on all the details, which includes a switch in manufacturers. That story is next on NASCAR America.
Hey fellas, another piece of the silly season puzzle fell into place today as Levine Family Racing announced its 2019 plans. Matt DiBenedetto will replace the retiring Casey Kane as driver of the number 95, and the team will also switch manufacturers from Chevy to Toyota. So a big announcement there. LFR is in its third full season in the Cup Series, and they really had high hopes coming into 2018. Casey Kane coming over, but only one top 10 for that organization so far in 2018. But they hope for more in 2019 with Matty D behind the wheel, who spoke with our Dave Burns earlier today. Well, it covers off now, and it is Matt DiBenedetto in the 95 car in 2019, and it's exciting in a lot of different ways. I think one of the most interesting things to me is how it brings you back around to Joe Gibbs Racing in Toyota. Dude, isn't it the, the craziest story you could possibly imagine? Uh, my career started with Joe Gibbs Racing in Toyota. That's how I got into NASCAR, and I wouldn't be here today without all those folks, and for it to all come around full circle um, and for me to be, uh, you know, joining Levine Family Racing, be back in the Toyota camp, those folks can't get away from me. It's like uh, just being reunited with family, an alliance with Joe Gibbs Racing. It's um, crazy. I couldn't have scripted it any, any better. This is, uh, I'm really fortunate to be a part of this. And you bet on yourself, Matt, and you won. That doesn't always happen in this sport. No, I, I was well aware and had a lot of very lengthy discussions with my wife uh, when I made this decision. For some reason, it just became clear to me. Uh, I woke up one morning, had this thought, was like, I think I need to do this and better myself. But we fully discussed it and um, made sure that we knew. Uh, and she was okay with me knowing that this could completely blow up in my face and I could be sitting and having absolutely nothing next year. Um, but with all due respect to go fast and every opportunity I've had before, I wouldn't be here without all of them. I just felt like it was time to do that. And, and I think everything's happened for a reason to get me here to this point in my career. And I couldn't have scripted it uh, the way that it's happened. So that was honestly what made me uh, make this decision. Bob Levine talked about you guys becoming friends, respectfully bugging him for a couple of years if there ever was an opening at his race car. Did you bug everybody, or was Bob's team in particular a fit for you? Yeah, I mean, I've been a very persistent individual in the garage, and I think everyone can kind of feel my passion. But, uh, yeah, like Bob said, we did become genuinely really good friends just through me uh, – very much so bugging him. It's not an understatement. So uh, I bugged him quite quite a bit over the last couple of years, but we became very good friends. But I just saw, I was like, man, this team, they are doing all the right things. They really want to be better. They really want to perform at the highest level in the Cup Series. Um, and so I did um, bug them quite a bit extra, and I really had my eyes set on, on LFR, and I really wanted to be a part of that camp because I knew, um, I felt like I would be a really good fit for that team. I knew... Um, what they were doing to try and be better and that I could help them to be a part of elevating that team. I just wanted to be a part of the growth. Last thing, a uh, seat is essentially open for the remainder of the year. Any plans for you to jump in here? Are you going to finish Scott, what you started in GoFast? No, I'll be finishing the year at GoFast. Um, I have nothing but uh, tremendous respect for those guys, Archie, St. Hilaire, and Mason. Um, that whole team, they, they gave me the opportunity, and they did the same thing. They took a chance on me um, just as a driver, and they built that program around me, so I'm nothing but respectful of them, and I couldn't ever repay them or thank them enough for what they've done for me. So, yeah, finishing out the year there, focusing on that, finishing strong, and then uh, looking forward to next year, knowing I have a, a very good quality uh, job and get to continue my uh, pursuit to winning in the Cup Series. Be very fun to see Matt in the 95 in 2019. All right, Dave, thanks so much. Two year deal for Matty D at uh, Levine Family Racing and a two year deal with a one year option for Levine Family Racing with Toyota. Jeff, good hire by Levine Family Racing? I think a really good hire, and, and here's why. I think that you take uh, Matty D, a guy that has not been driving great equipment, 
and you give him better equipment and he's going to get more out of it. I think it's harder when you take Matt Kenseth and put it Roush, which I think was a good move, but I think it's harder for that guy to drive equipment that he's not that's not as good as what he's used to than it would be for Matt D taking a step up. So I think it's a really good hire. Matt D is one of those guys that a lot of people in the garage believe he has real talent. And, and so, yeah, I think it's a really good hire. Yeah, five or six times a year, Jeff, you and I will look down the scoring monitor out the window and be like, man, he's 12th or 14th. <laughs> or, yeah. or put himself in a position that I don't feel the 32 should run with the equipment that they have and the money and the funding that they have. But yet he finds a way to do it with uh, just good decisions. You don't see him tear up a lot of equipment on his own. To your point, fundamental things that will help the 95 improve. A lot of high hopes coming in for Casey Kane. They didn't materialize. Unfortunate Casey's not able to fill that at the end of that year out with that car with his health issues. Um, so I think Matt's going to be a good addition. I think uh, optimistic. I mean, you could see he's excited. Yeah. If he's bugged the owner for that long, <laughs> man, look out. There's going to be some excitement in that 95 car. And I think, you know, we've talked about next year's rules. Like, that has a huge role here too, right? Because I, I, don't, I don't think that anybody really knows what's going to happen next year. I, I think mm -hmm. going to... You know, going to Atlanta next year, going to Vegas, there's so many questions. There's so many unknowns. Uh, a guy like Matty D, and I, I think that he's going to be pushing the buttons, trying to make something happen. And for a team to get an affiliation with Joe Gibbs Racing and with Toyota, they're obviously expecting to have better results. I just, unfortunately, for you know, Casey saying he's retiring, and like as you said, I hate it for Casey. He can't finish this year out. I absolutely hate that for him. Uh, but for this team in particular, I really, really like this hire. I go back to Dave's question. At the end of the regular season, Matt D going into Indianapolis says, hey, I'm, I'm quitting. I don't have a job. I'm <laughs> quitting. So does any of this happen if he doesn't make that bold move? I think that was the first step. I mean, I know it's obvious he's been harassing some of these other owners in a good way, saying I could be your guy. Um, but you want to see commitment. I've had crew guys for years. Hey, you were able to do it. You were a tie guy. You moved up. You became a crew chief. You know, what's the best advice you could give me? And I would tell them, listen, you can't always have a net. Sometimes you just have to jump and hope that through the clouds isn't something bad because there are no guarantees in this sport. Now, I've been very fortunate. You've been fortunate. We've all been fortunate to end up in great places. But at some time, you have to bet on yourself. We see Ryan Priest do it with sponsorship money. And here, mm -hmm. Matt DiBenedetto's done it with contracts and said, you know, I'm, I'm just not going to sign one, and I'm going to hope I find a better opportunity to further my career. Well, one thing we're seeing this year, and, and you know, we keep hearing this undercurrent you know, well, drivers, the good drivers aren't getting shots. You got to have money to get a shot. Well, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Who Does anybody think Matt, Matt D is a good driver? I think he yeah, is. Great driver. Ryan Priest. Yep. Go, think about what we've seen happen over the, last, over the last few months as far as drivers getting opportunities. This this undercurrent that you got to have money if you want to make it in racing. You got to have money to get in, in NASCAR. Well, I don't think money had anything to do with any of these deals. I mean, money always, but they're not bringing sponsors to the table to make this happen. These guys are getting hired because they've shown the ability and the talent. And, and I think that that's really important to understand because I'm kind of tired of hearing it. You know, I'm a little tired of hearing, well, if you have money, you can do Well, if you have money, yeah, you can get an opportunity, but that doesn't mean you're going to be successful. One thing this didn't do is quiet down silly season in my mind. That is a good we point. we have had a lot of moving parts. And with yep. seven weeks left, we talk a lot about the playoffs. I know there's a lot of assumptions that can be made here, but I think what we learned with the 78 and their signing of a new sponsor, which turned into the team shutting down, is it's scary to make assumptions. So when I look up here, I mean, I have six drivers on the board. And, and Jeff, unless I'm missing someone, I see the 41, the one, and the 19. Those seats yet to be filled. Well, 
I'm not great with math, but six into three, <laughs> that leaves three drivers out. So it's going to be interesting. And we kind of know who's going to the 19, so okay, really that's, that's, say that's that. five to two. You yes, think? we do. We all think we know, but we also all thought we knew that there's no way the 78 is going to shut down. I mean, we kept saying, you know, we started we hearing, hearing that in the garage area from crew guys. And we're like, nah, you guys are crazy. You know, we started hearing about, we started hearing about Martin Truex Jr. and that team maybe not putting a deal together. And they're all publicly saying, oh, we're going to get it done. We're going to get it done. But it kept not getting done. Well, why hasn't the deal got done at the one car? And why hasn't the deal got done at the 41? And why, you know what I mean? At some point, it's got to happen. And if it hasn't happened, why? So, uh, yes, I, I'm 99% sure sitting here today saying that, yes, I know it's going to drive that 19 car next right. year, and I know, but but it hadn't happened, or maybe it has, and we don't know about it. But the longer it takes, smart man once told me, lives in Welcome, North Carolina, <laughs> smart Chambers. man once told me, the longer it takes for something to happen, the less chance it's going to happen. That's And he's proven to be right. I had another real smart guy tell me the details don't matter until they do. Ah, so figure out Hendrix. figure <laughs> out what the details are going to be on this piece of paper, and we'll see. So well, the details of money. Talladega? Well, it's about the money. Yeah. It's always about the money. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> the details of Talladega might say Joey Logano is the one to beat this weekend. He's won there three times, including this spring. We'll hear from his crew chief, Todd Gordon, who chatted with Jeff Burton next on NASCAR America. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. You've gotten a lot of support from some big-name drivers. Kyle Busch has tweeted his support a few times. Is there any chance you may drive for Kyle Busch in the future? I know he's got I mean, a I'd hope so. <laughs> yeah? I mean, if this career keeps going like we want it to, if my career, mm -hmm. if we keep getting the results that we are in the K&N series, hopefully we'll be able to get to that. Eventually. I don't know when, but <laughs> hopefully. Hey, make sure you check out Nate's entire interview with Haley Deegan on the NASCAR on NBC podcast. Plus, Carolyn Meadow and Parker Klingerman break down last weekend's Dover race in the Monday Morning Donuts podcast. Hey, I'm quickly realizing we're the only ones who don't have podcasts at NBC Sports. What's going on with that? Well, everybody else does. We missed out on that somehow. Well, we do these shows. <laughs> oh, that's right. This is like an hour-long oh, podcast. Right. We do the actual. It's like television. a podcast with commercials. We do the actual television. I forgot. And if we weren't, if we had our own podcast, who would be the guest on everybody else's podcast? That's a good point. Yeah, you are pretty much a perma <laughs> guest on uh, Nate's. By the way, here's playoff leaderboard heading into Talladega this weekend, and I have a feeling it's going to look a little different after Sunday's race. Joey Logano, fifth on the leaderboard, 31 points above the cut line. He won at Talladega back in April, and Jeff. Had a chance to visit with his crew chief, Todd Gordon, earlier today at the Team Penske Shops. Todd Gordon, Joey Logano's crew chief, getting ready for Talladega this weekend. We've noticed how aggressive Joey Logano is on plate racing. Uh, that comes at a risk of getting in a wreck. How do you feel about that strategy? I feel good about it because it's, it's kind of how we've speedway raced it since he's been here. And, and I think the, the common thing that we both talk about is, I want to race forward and, and get ahead of the rack. If we can get to the front, then there's a there's a likelihood that we'll be in front of the rack and when it happens, because they do happen. And uh, that aggressiveness gets us in a position where we can run, typically run in the top five and get ourselves out front. So do would there be a chance where if a lot of people got in a wreck and you were you were out there surviving, would it be an opportunity to change strategy midstream 
or are you full bore go win that race regardless? Well, I think one of the things that Joey does a really good job of, and we, we've, yes, he's very aggressive, but he also understands the, the environment he's in. And, and there's times that when you look at past Speedway races that if we get caught, we're 12th and we're three wide in the middle and it's kind of getting anxious, he'll back up for a little bit just to let things settle down and then get back on the on the horse and start driving forward. So um, let him handle that as it goes. And, and if the race gets to a point where we're in a great points position, yeah, we'll, we'll discuss that. But ultimately we're still trying to win the race so where are you in regard to winning this championship do you feel like you're in good shape i think we're getting better and i think it's you know this year's been an evolution for us that uh, we had some success early and in, in one talladega obviously in the spring um we've worked on since that point of what we can do to make our program better and i think we're getting there at team penske i think our, our cars have gotten better we've, we've gotten better as teams we've executed well um we've got a little bit more to get but i think we're we're, we're peaking at the right time I hate to do this to you, but we're going to skip Talladega. And let's say you go to Kansas and you don't have a big point advantage. What's your comfort level going to Kansas? I feel good about it. We've won Kansas twice in the fall. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, good, it's a good place for us. It's a good racetrack for us. It's a place that's fairly wide. You, you, the, the groove will be around the bottom to start with, but the groove up by the wall does come to play. So the racetrack gets nice and wide. It's a place that we've run well that, that Joey can kind of hunt around and find a place to run well. And, um, you know, when we come to those pressure situations, I think Joey does a great job elevating. So you talk about pressure situations, and the playoffs are certainly that. So I want to know from a crew chief standpoint, what keeps you up at night in regard to these playoffs? I think just trying to make sure that we're addressing all the all the issues and, and, and being aware of all of them. And, not you know, you, you have to think through all the races and the scenarios that you've got and what you can work on. And, and you don't want to walk away from an event saying, I missed that. You know, that's those are the pieces that you're trying to make sure race strategy and race setups and, and those things are you, you just touched on all of them. Well, I know that Todd's going to have this team prepared and ready to go this weekend. It's going to be fun to race at Talladega to watch. Good luck to you guys. Thank you. All right, A, very good questions, by the way. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> ask good the questions. answers were good. B, the most impressive thing to me about the interview is that you thought to change your shirt before the show. That was That was pretty good. New threads for you. And look at that. There you go, right there. Look at you, Jim. So I'm glad that I did that <laughs> now. I, I I was coming down here and I went, maybe I should get a new shirt. And I did. I'm glad I did. I, I thought no one will notice. Tricks of the trade, Stevie. But I appreciate that. <laughs> you know what struck me about that interview is yeah. how relaxed and confident the entire shop yes. the 22 team. Well, in particular, in particular, Todd and, and I spent some time with Joey too. And they're just, yeah, it's playoffs. It's all good. Like, you know, and I, I mean, you've been part of it, Steve. I've been part of it. I mean, there's times you want to vomit. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, you're, ah, and you're getting ready to go to Talladega, and they're like, yeah, we got a strategy, and, you know, we're going to race hard. We're going to run in the front. We're going to try to win the race and lead laps and do all that stuff. And if it doesn't work out, well, we had a good plan. It'll be all right. And I, you know, I love that attitude. And that's pretty much how they work. Well, I think you could do that at plus 31, which is where Joey Logano is in the playoff board. I don't think their playoff hopes hinge at Talladega, but I think that Brad Kozlowski and Ryan Blaney's do. At plus 21 and plus 10, I think that if a if a Penske car, namely the two or the 12, can't go to victory lane, then it looks like one playoff car is going to move forward to me. Um, I know Brad and Ryan are both above the cut line, but I expect Al Merola to be great down there at Talladega. I expect Kyle Larson, even though his numbers at Talladega are awful, I think he's going to have a bounce back race. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see because I do think for Brad or Blaney to win, they're going to have to beat their teammate of Joey Logano. So, One thing so, we know for sure yeah. is that when they drop the green flag, 
Joey Logano and Brad Keselowski are going to be wide open in the, the gas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like exactly. that's, you know, they're fun to watch. And Blaney's doing that now, too. But those two in particular, they're so aggressive from the time the green flag drops. If you want to watch action, watch those two guards. How are they able to replicate that success, though, Steve? And they've won six of the last eight races at Talladega. That's not happenstance. Well, that, no, that's but, a plan. But, no, but that's, that's normal Talladega. It was DEI for four or five years, and it was Hendrick Motorsports for four or five years. Now it's Team Penske for four or five years. The question is, are we at the end of those four or five-year stretches? I don't know. I have yet to see a reason to think we're coming to the end. But every time you go down there with success, we aren't the only three that watch that race. Every other team does. Every other driver does. Every other driver, Jeff, watches that aggression. So I think the answer is, how do you replicate it? By doing something different. Yeah, and I, I with, with playoff with stage points yeah. in the middle of playoffs and then teams that haven't won this year. Because remember, we always talk about the playoff guys. But what racetrack provides the best opportunity for people that won that have not won all year long? Right. Talladega. So there's more drivers that aren't in the playoffs than are. And they will be a huge factor. Because when you're at Talladega, it's game on for everybody. And and you can I can guarantee you a non-playoff driver will be a huge threat to win this race. I can promise you. Not to mention Alex Bowman. Yeah. He trying to care, get it done. He can yeah. care about the other 11. <laughs> exactly right. And those Fords have certainly worked very well together. Team Penske part of that, so they're hoping that plays into their favor once again. Of course, the big news of the day, Chad Knauss, Jimmy Johnson splitting up after 2018. We'll get reaction from both Jimmy and Mr. Rick Hendrick next on NASCAR America. As a kid, motor racing was always at the forefront, being at racetracks, watching my dad. That really was what it was all about. Scott Dixon wins the 2015 championship. That's all we ever do, right? That's, that's We're in the business of winning. We're, if I'm not winning, I'm going to be out of a job before I know it. Scott Dixon takes the lead in this championship. The chances of pulling it off in, in, in the competition that we have right now is, is tough. It's extremely tough. Where will they come oh, in? Oh, no! Red Dixon's in the middle oh. of that. This could be the defining moment in the championship. You're just thinking, wow, we can't let this one slip away. And, and that's what kept me up at night. You know, this was by far the most stressful championship finale I'd ever been in. We witnessed something that hasn't been done in more than half a century. Scott Dixon is a five-time IndyCar champion. Only one person has ever done it. And to fall into that category and, and be the second person to ever do it, it's, it's mega. It's awesome. Cool look at Scott Dixon's fifth IndyCar championship coming up next. Recapping our top story of the day, Hendrick Motorsports announced a crew chief shuffle for the 2019 season that will end the 17-year tenure of Chad Canals as the crew chief for the 48 car and Jimmy Johnson. Canals will move over to the 24 car and William Byron. Kevin Mendring moves up from the Xfinity Series, crew chiefing Elliott Sadler to take over the seat atop the 48 pit box. Here is Rick Hendrick's reaction Chad and Jimmy will go down as one of the greatest combinations in sports history. I don't think anyone can argue with that, guys, right? I mean, that's a, a great way to put it for Mr. Hendrick. What they've accomplished together has been absolutely remarkable and will be celebrated for generations. It's been an incredible storybook run. And for Jimmy, he came out with a tweet as well. Chad and I have had unimaginable success together, and I'm grateful for his friendship. Can't thank him enough for his dedication to success and the drive to win. I'm looking forward to what the future holds for the entire Team Hendrick organization so some big news coming out right before we came on the air today guys and uh again your reaction to that surprise the news comes out now and, and i think we 
sort of established earlier, don't think this news comes out of 48 still in the playoff hunt. Yeah, so that is the one reason I'm not surprised the 48 was eliminated, although I guess I was waiting to hear it as soon as they were eliminated, but instead they went to Dover and, and gave it a shot. It obviously didn't go very well, crazy parts failure. Um, but this is not something that was decided in seven days. It's obviously something that the entire organization has been working on. And um, so, no, I guess I'm not shocked that the news is out. Moving forward. I mean, the success hasn't been there. It's time to move forward, try to, you know, do something different, give William Byron a shot, you know, give Mandarin a shot. I think it's a, it's a really good move because, again, you've matched people that have had a ton of success with people that are looking to have tons of success they can help those guys get there quicker. I, I think from that standpoint, it's a really smart move. And I think it's rare because both of you guys said, and Nate Ryan joined us earlier today, good move by Hendrick Motorsports. It's rare when you can make a move like this and make everybody happy. Well, coming up, Dale Jr. turns 44 today. What are the best birthday gifts ideas from Junior Nation? We'll show you when we come back on NASCAR America. NASCAR America. We'll hear from two drivers who want to visit Victory Lane in Talladega. One of them, Joey Logano. We heard from his crew chief Todd Gordon earlier. And our old Parker Clearman is racing Saturday in the Truck Series race. Tune in 5 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, Parker won the race there last year. That's my son finishing third, by the I way. Just in case you down. So, uh, hey, as we mentioned, by the way, Dale Jr. turns 44 today. So, what does Junior Nation want to get their guy? Let's check it out. Uh, the first one is this is kind of cool. What, dinner with Tom Hanks? One of the favorite. I mean, who wouldn't want dinner with Tom I like Hanks. that. All right. Cool. The next one, uh, what's the next gift they're going to get Dell Jr.? Nothing. Nothing because he does have a beautiful family. And we're very aggressive on the air, too. Nothing? Uh, not even a card? <laughs> Happy birthday? Homemade, maybe? Like phone call or something? something? I don't know. Something nice. So, all right. The final one, what would the final person get him? Oh, 24 pack of beer and tickets to a Redskins game. Well, I can assure you of one thing. If you're going to get, that him, a mic drop if you're gonna get him tickets, you better get him more than 24 beers. <laughs> Especially to watch the Redskins game. <laughs> All right, we'll be back for NASCAR America tomorrow. You don't want to miss it. 5 p.m. Eastern. Keep it here. Inside IndyCar is next. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help Dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard. The perfecter of the patio and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power Dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything Dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability.